Jesus said, As the Father loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. remain standing for our act of remembrance. We're going to share in some words responsively and then we will have the two minute silence which is going to be about a minute past, I'm sorry about that. Um, There will be some images on screen, there will be the names from our own war memorial um, and at the end of that it will return to a picture of some poppies at which point please take your seat as the choir will just lead us. We meet in the presence of God We commit ourselves to work in penitence and faith for reconciliation between the nations that all people may together live in freedom, justice and peace. We pray for all who in bereavement, disability and pain continue to suffer the consequences of fighting and terror. We remember with thanksgiving and sorrow 
those whose lives in world wars and conflicts past and present have been taken and taken away. They shall grow not old as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condone. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. We will remember them. So let's come to God in prayer. Loving God, as we meet together in the name of Christ to worship you, we are grateful for the comfort and safety of this place in which we may gather, free from fear of arrest or interference. Whilst many, maybe most of us, have never experienced the horrors of war or extreme violence. We know that some have. Whilst many, maybe most of us, have never experienced arrest or threat of arrest because of our faith or our politics, 
some have. Whilst many, maybe most of us, take for granted freedoms of speech and movement, others cannot. And whilst many, maybe most of us, feel safe and secure in our own homes, we know that some do not. Whilst some of us just maybe have never known rejection, fear, bullying or ridicule, we recognise that most have. And while some of us may have enjoyed a charmed life, most, maybe all of us, have known sorrow, disappointment or regret. The reality is that all of us are affected by the pain and sorrow of a broken and disordered world. Each of us is someone who desperately needs to experience welcome, acceptance, healing and hope. Which makes us all the more grateful that we can meet freely, safely and in comfort to remember your incredible love for us and forgiveness of us. To recall your promises of justice, love and healing. And to join with people around the world in all times and places to pray for the fulfilment of your promised shalom on earth as in heaven. And so we join together in our own first languages and the version we know and love best in the words Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. And so we join together in our second hymn, after which the children and young people will move across the way to continue in age-appropriate ways. <laughs>
see I am not Holly. Holly wasn't well so I got a text last night. Um, our first reading is from Micah chapter 4 verses 1 to 5. In days to come the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. People shall stream to it and many nations shall come and say come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord of Jerusalem. He shall judge between many peoples, and shall arbitrate between strong nations far away. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more, but they shall all sit under their own vines and under their own fig trees, and no one shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. For all the peoples walk, each in the name of its God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God for ever and ever. Our second reading is from John chapter 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. 
Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. for 27 years. I served in the Army, the Royal Marines and Special Forces. Since I left six years ago, I've used the skills the Army gave me to carve out a new career as a motivational speaker and TV presenter, challenging others to test their own limits. I've been really lucky, but others haven't. And some people who have served their country don't even have the most basic necessity, shelter. On any given night in London alone, there are thought to be over a thousand homeless veterans. One thing I really learnt when I was in, 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 in the army is that you never let your mates down and you never leave them behind. The principle of the battlefield is that somebody drops, we carry them and we carry them back to safety. I want to know why so many veterans are homeless. I want to know if their experience in the military has caused it. And on my journey, I'll be forced to confront my own experiences. Am I really that different to Britain's homeless soldiers? I decided to join the army when I was about 14. Um, and my dad gave me some of his old badges and 
bits of military equipment. Um, and it was adventure, I think, that, that, that attracted me. During my career, I served in Northern Ireland, the Falklands and the Gulf. I fought alongside men and women who, like me, were prepared to lay down their lives for their country. But it's not a one-sided commitment. It's part of something called the Military Covenant, the 200-year-old terms by which the army goes to war on the nation's behalf. It says that soldiers will be called upon to make personal sacrifices, including the ultimate sacrifice, confident that in return, the nation will look after them and their families. Why then are people who serve with me slipping through the cracks and becoming homeless? In some parts of the UK, veterans are thought to make up 12% of the homeless population. Holborn Viaduct in London is one place I've been told homeless soldiers sleep rough. It's, it's, a, really, it's a really sad old place here. It stinks of urine. It's cold. It's miserable. And in these doorways, there's fag butts and matches and um, evidence that people were here last night. It's the last kind of place I think anyone, let alone a soldier, should have to live. But it's here, under the shelter of the viaduct, that I find Davy Pascoe. He has been homeless since 1991, in and out of hostels and living rough on the streets. How you doing, pal? You all right? Do you want a fag? Yeah. Do you want a real one? Yeah, they give you. You wouldn't know it to look at him, but Davy, who's 41, comes from a family with a long military history. So two sons and the dad, and what about your granddad? Was he in as well? Yeah, he was in the Royal Navy. He was in the Royal Navy. Second World War. So one, two, three generations of, of your family serve, serve this country? Yeah. Davy spent five years in the army as a tank driver and a machine gunner. But he tells me that staying in peak condition proved difficult. Coming out of the tanks, really, was a bit daft, but uh, I was having trouble with fitness uh, at the time, and, uh, and the fitness yeah. was getting bad. And so you got unfit, and you had tr trouble keeping up with your BFTs, uh, your um, battle fitness test, combat fitness test. Yeah. And, and then what happened then? I um, then come out, and uh, and um, later... you just decide to leave? You, you said, I'm going to leave, and I'm going to go, or...? Yeah, I just got on the train, come back to my mum's, knocked yeah. on the door. She said, what are you doing? I said, I've come out of the army, and then she went mad, and my brother went mad, because he was in artillery as well. How did you get, how did you become homeless and sleeping rough? I sort of like, gone down a crooked like, path then, and got in trouble, and, you know, got in the wrong crowd sort of thing, and ended up in trouble with the police and all sorts of things and that. Davy lost contact with his parents and brother, and is completely on his own. He has spent years in and out of hostels, but bad experiences have left him unable to trust anyone. A few weeks ago, the few possessions he had were stolen. It's heartbreaking that a highly trained tank driver can end up homeless for 17 years. I feel a bit choked up, to be honest. Um, I feel really sorry for him. It's desperate, isn't it? Desperate. I, I, I am being... Now I'm being pathetic, of course. <laughs> I just... 
I just want to scoop him up and take him home, you know, <laughs> really. As those who are regular worshippers here will know, we are following a theme of homelessness throughout November. And last week, Walter and Grace shared with us some of their experience um, in charities supporting homelessness pe- homeless people in Glasgow. They were too self-effacing to tell you that they'd worked for these charities, but they did. And also um, Elaine had worked for one. And today we're going to hear from Sylvia who works for a charity in Glasgow, particularly look supporting homeless veterans. So thank you, Sylvia. I'm going to hand over to you. And uh, there's the zapper. Good morning, everyone. Uh, today I would like to speak about Glasgow Helping Heroes, which is a charity, uh, in, and this charity help and support veterans and soldiers who came out from the army and then they don't have any support. This, uh, this charity helped them in relation to housing, employment, benefit, mental health uh, problems and debt. This, organi- this uh, charity is funded by Glasgow City Council in partnership with SAFA, the, uh, the Armed Forces Charity. This, the, main reason, the main reason why this uh, charity was created was because there were many soldiers and veterans who came out from the army and then they were homeless and they didn't have any support. They were homeless for many reasons. For example, some of them were some of them were medically discharged, and others suffered from a family breakdown or mental health problems. The city council realized that they were they, they, in the, on the street there were many veterans and soldiers who were homeless. And that's why this organization was created, in order to support all of them. We, this organization prevents homelessness. And the way that we do that is, for example, we, when we have veterans and soldiers who came to us and then they said that they are homeless, we refer them to different organizations. For example, we refer them to the Scottish Veterans Residences. And these uh, residences is very good because there are 40 flats, and then they are entitled to apply for, uh, for temporary or permanent accommodation. And then they are entitled to live in this uh, accommodation for the period of 18 months. We also refer them in, ca- in case that there is an emergency to the Heiming Allen Center. And this center is very good because they provide a temporary accommodation. We also refer them to the health and social 
care partnership that they offer as well a temporary accommodation. And the last organization that we refer them when they are homeless is the soldier of street. And the difference of this organization from the others is that, for example, they, they are entitled to receive temporary accommodation, but just is only for one night or two nights. And that is the way that we help veterans and soldiers when they are homeless. Thank you very much for listening. So that's the, if anybody's interested in finding out more information, we have got the details there, and Sylvia is also brought some leaflets which you are welcome to take. I think you've got to go and pose, Sylvia. Okay, carry on. Audience. Tut, tut, congregation. Thank you very much, Sylvia. That, that was, uh, was a very informative um, and, and very important work that is being done there. In 1912, a long time ago, the rather grandly titled Tudor Walters Committee of what was then called the Ministry of Works published a report on the minimum standings, standards for what we would know today as social housing. The tragedy that was the First World War recruited huge numbers of men from the working classes and that served to highlight the impact of poor housing on health and fitness. They were shocked at how unfit and how unhealthy some of these young men were. And it was almost certain that 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 poor health was a big contributor to the number that died of infectious diseases or whose wounds failed to heal. In 1919, the Addison Act required local authorities, helped by government subsidies, to build houses to a decent minimum standard. It was in this context that the campaign Homes Fit for Heroes emerged. In the century since then, there have been huge changes, politically and socially. It seems to me hugely ironic, as we saw last week, that well-paid professionals in the major cities of these islands pay ludicrous sums of money for homes that, quite frankly, at least based on size, wouldn't satisfy the requirements of the Tudor Walters Commission on Homes for Workers. That's troubling, isn't it? And it also troubles me that amongst the poorest people, health and fitness concerns are again associated with poor housing and, in fact, seem to get worse. We know, don't we, in our own city that basically if you go from the west to the east, your life expectancy decreases by 20 years. I remember somebody saying to me when I first moved here, for every set of traffic lights you go through, travelling east, your life expectancy goes down by a year. That's scary. That's troubling. Homes for Heroes, or more accurately, Homes Fit for Heroes, is that a pipe dream, a possibility or a reality. Maybe the Armed Forces Covenant, which was mentioned in that short film, will help us answer the question. This is what it says. To those who proudly protect our nation, who do so with honour, courage and commitment, 
The Armed Forces Covenant is the nation's commitment to you. It is a pledge that together we acknowledge and understand that those who serve or have served in the armed forces and their families should be treated with fairness and respect in the communities, economy and society they serve with their lives. The Covenant focuses on helping members of the armed forces community to have the same access to government and commercial services and products as any other citizen. And their work is divided into a number of areas. Education and family well-being, having a home, starting a new career, access to health care, financial assistance and discounted services. That's all taken from the Armed Forces Covenant webpage. For us as Christians, the word covenant is hugely significant. It carries a sense of commitment by both parties to fulfil its intent. And as Baptist Christians who practice covenant membership within local communities of faith, promising to walk together and to watch over one another, to love, support, encourage and pray for each other, our understanding and our expectations are perhaps especially high. Unfortunately, the Armed Forces Covenant is not as weighty as the covenants that we enter into. It has no legal mandate. Indeed, it is something that big organisations can or needn't opt into. To be fair, every single local authority housing department in the UK has signed up to it. So I guess that despite its limitations, and they're many, it expresses something important. And that's that everybody, whoever they are, should have equal access to education, healthcare and housing. Homes fit for heroes should be homes fit for anyone, homes fit for everyone. And I think that leads us quite nicely to our two scripture passages. Amidst the tragedy of lives scarred by war and violence, sin and finitude, in the harsh reality of homelessness, poor health and inequality, here are two amazing visions of home. The little book of Micah includes a lot of strong words and challenges to those who are enjoying a comfortable lifestyle in a society that has become increasingly unjust and unequal, and in a context where the surrounding powerful nations are showing their military might. Amidst the denouncement of wrong, the lament over national failings and warnings of consequences, there are beautiful visions and promises of the potential inherent amongst these people to realise the eschatological vision, you know, that's my favourite phrase, of God's eternal sovereignty of peace, justice and inclusion. A vision of, if you like, what heaven will be, a vision of the new creation, characterised by peace, justice and inclusion. The word house in Hebrew and in English carries two distinct meanings. There's the obvious meaning, a physical dwelling place. And then there is the other meaning that relates to family, 
to forebears and successors, as in the House of David or the House of Saxe-Coburg or whatever it might be. Whilst the Micah passage probably suggests the former, a physical house, I think it carries a sense of the latter. As people of all nations come streaming to this place, longing to be part of it, recognising that the house of God is characterised by justice, this prophet speaks of settlement of disputes, of peace. Nobody needs weapons. Swords can be beaten into ploughshares. And in which there is a home for everybody, complete with vineyards and trees. It's a wonderful, wonderful vision of somewhere that everybody can come and enjoy safety and security and welcome. It's wonderful. A really hopeful vision. And I think that same hope characterises the words Jesus spoke to his followers towards the end of his life. They were very frightened, fearful for the future, and they were dismayed when Jesus told them what must take place, and they started to lose hope. And into that context of fear and hopelessness, what Jesus says is incredible. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. For those who love the King James Version, it says, in my Father's house are many mansions. And that creates for us an image of palaces or stately homes, which actually isn't what mansions meant. Way back in the time of King James, it just meant an abode. Everybody had a mansion, apparently. You just don't where you lived. But maybe we can also keep that stately home image because it has some benefits, I think, as we go along. I'd like to suggest that in this passage, what we get is a promise of home of being included in God's family, not of a beautiful building, but actually a home for everybody. In God's family, there's room for everyone, where you can be free from fear, hunger, sickness, guilt and sadness. And what is so wonderful about this image, and for which I particularly am grateful, is we don't all have to become clones. We don't all have to agree on everything. Many abodes, it says, many dwellings, many mansions. So that those who get on and share interests and ideas can be together if they wish. And not in conflict with those with whom they differ. It would be no good me sharing a house with somebody who loved house music. I just don't like it. But for somebody else, it would be great. It would be no good somebody who's allergic to cats sharing a house with me. But for people who love cats, it would be okay. And I think in this vision of the father's house with its many dwelling places is an acceptance of the diversity within Christianity and in society that we can remain open to the possibility of God's grace and mercy open not just to us but to those who rub us up the wrong way to those who historically might have been described as enemies to those who today we find it difficult to get on with there's homes for everybody and I think that's what is so amazing that the covenant sealed for us all by Jesus Christ is not homes for heroes it's not homes for successful people 
It's not even homes for good people. These are homes for sinners, for people who mess up, who fall out, who question, who doubt, who sulk, who grumble, whatever it might be. These are homes for people just like us. The difficulty is that such beautiful images run the risk of becoming pious platitudes. As a minister friend I knew many, many years ago used to say, pie in the sky, by and by, when we die. It's all so heavenly that it's absolutely got no implications for the here and now. But that's not what a prophetic message is about. It's not just to tell you off, and it's not just to offer you visions. It does offer us visions, reassurance, and promises. But its purpose also is to motivate us and challenge us. So what might any of that mean for us? Creating a home for sinners. A place, or more properly, a community in which broken people find welcome and acceptance. In which successful people can find alternative values, not based on how much money you've got or how many letters you've got after your name or whatever it is. A community in which the overriding principles are love, forgiveness, transformation and redemption. In which that vision, that eschatological vision, is expressed, albeit imperfectly, in the messiness of real life in the messiness of a world that is marred by violence and greed and sin and finitude. Our aspirations as a church here and the aspirations of the churches of our visitors should inspire us all to create a glimpse of the hope we profess, a taste of heaven, a vision of home. Whilst our ability to offer practical assistance directly or indirectly to those affected by homelessness with all its complicated multiple causes and consequences is limited, we can do our best to be a community of hope, to welcome people just as they are. Because that's what God does for us. We could support organisations such as Glasgow Helping Heroes or SAFA. We could support Glasgow City Mission or any of a number of other charities. But what motivates us to do that is our sense of home in the love of God. Jesus said, In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. Homes fit for saints and sinners and everyone in between. A community of eternal shalom. Today, as we pause to remember the horror of war and the reality of homelessness among men and women who serve in the military, it would be very easy to be overwhelmed by despair. (coughs) And so it's really important to remind ourselves of the eternal promise of God and the unquenchable, if often tentative, hope that we have of our eternal home in that community of God's peace.
I chose a hymn to follow the sermon on the basis of it speaking about this hope we have in God. And it never crossed my mind to check the hymn, the tune that was in the hymn book because it's a song we've sung before, so that was that. Unfortunately, the, song in the, the tune in the hymn book is not the one that any of us know. Maybe some of the visitors know it, which would be brilliant. Um, the choir will give us a good lead. They've practised it. But if you're expecting another tune when we stand up, don't panic. Oops, and the computer's decided to go on strike. we'll sing it to a bad tune. Just before we pray, I'd like to share with you this image. It's an image I have used before, and it's part of the Armed Forces Memorial at the Memorial Arboretum in Olrawas in Staffordshire in England. And at the centre of this is a tableau of soldiers carrying away the the sick, injured, and in one case, dead. And there is a door, slightly ajar, and 
someone is pointing through to the hope. And the orientation of this statue, this structure, is that 11 o'clock on the 11th of November, if the sun's shining, the light comes through that little chink. But that chink of hope in the darkness and bewilderment of our world is what we hold on to. And so with that promise of home glimpsed maybe in a little ajar door, we come to God in prayer. God of peace, of hope, of welcome, of home. You know how hard we find it to formulate the right words to bring our prayers on this Remembrance Sunday. You know that we struggle to find the balance between glorifying violence and denying sacrifice. Between remembering those who are on our side and denying those who are on the other side. Between acknowledging what is wrong and working for what is right. And so we risk saying nothing, praying nothing, lest we offend each other or fail in some way to honour whatever it is that we feel is worthy of honour. So we come to you as we are, welcomed by you, loved by you, incorporated into your family, at home in your promises. Those who wear white poppies, those who wear red poppies, those who wear both and those who wear neither. Those who work on defence contracts and those who campaign outside their workplaces. Those for whom this day is an important tradition and those who feel it's no longer relevant. Help us to welcome and value each other, just as we are welcomed and valued by you. We bring to you in prayer all who, as a result of war and violence, are homeless. Civilians caught up in conflict, sheltering wherever they can. Refugees and asylum seekers fleeing in fear, leaving behind almost everything they own. Former military personnel, so traumatised by what they have seen and what they have done, that they are unable to adapt to civilian life. We pray also for those who seek to bring hope into the darkness of despair. To advise on housing. To process claims. 
to walk the streets and meet people wherever they are. Today, we pray especially for those charities that seek to help former service personnel, especially Glasgow Helping Heroes. God of peace, of hope, of welcome, of home, help us to live the reality of your promises to the very best of our ability so that we may play our part in bringing the answers to our prayers offered in the name of Christ. Amen. God of hope, God of home, we offer these our gifts of money, and with them we offer ourselves, that all may be employed in building that home of which we dream, your sovereignty of shalom. Amen. All my hope on God is founded. We stand as we're able as we sing.
join together in the blessing. Lead us from death to life, from falsehood into truth, and may we keep through all our years the hopefulness of youth. From dark despair to hope, from fear to trust in God, from hate to love, from war to peace, keep leading us, dear God. Let peace enfold our hearts, in peace our souls immerse, and may God's peace pervade the world, then fill the universe. Thank you.